You are tuning into the podcast series, We Talk Cyber with Monica, a platform for engaging discussions and expert opinions on all things cyber. Check out more information on monicatalkcyber.com. Welcome to the podcast series, and let's hop right into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're tuning in from today. Welcome to today's episode of We Talk Cyber with Monica. I'm your host, Monica Verma, and I'm welcoming you to yet another exciting episode. We have a wonderful guest with us today, who's none other than Tanya Janka, founder of We Hack Purple Academy. Hi, Tanya. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Monica? Thanks for having me. It's lovely to have you. Would you like to just introduce yourself and how did you get into cybersecurity? Absolutely. Um, so I was a software developer for a really long time. I come from a family of software developers. So my aunts and uncles, almost all of them, and several of my cousins, we all work in tech. And so uh, programming is in my genes, literally. But uh, then after many, many years of, of working as a programmer, I met an ethical hacker. And he kept trying to convince me over and over again to switch to the dark side, I guess. Um, so I've, I've also always been a professional musician in the evenings and he was in a band and I was in a band. So obviously our bands had to play together and we're friends, we're hanging out. And he just kept saying, you make such a good pen tester, come on. <laughs> and then eventually I said, like, well, I can take a look at it. <laughs> um, and here we are many years later and I am now running a startup that uh, basically gives training to IT professionals on how to do application security, like how to secure software. And it's a blast. Fantastic. It's so lovely to have you today. So you've worked in this industry quite many years now. What do you believe and what do you have seen is one of the biggest challenges in a cybersecurity industry? Oh, I would say that it is um, I, I guess knowledge or, or lack thereof or lack of access to knowledge and training. Mm -hmm. um, that's part of why, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because that's what I, I think is important. Basically, when I wanted to switch to security, I found it really, really hard to get the training that I wanted. I found mm -hmm. there were many, many, many options. I also found that lots of my colleagues that I worked with you know, let's say someone's awesome at firewalls, great. They didn't know anything about application security. I remember with someone who, who had many, many, many years of cybersecurity experience, you know, we'd had, you know, someone was attacking one of our applications and he's like, look, this looks like SQL injection and me explaining there's no database attached mm -hmm. to the software. So we're fine. We can just ignore that. Like we will probably want to block that IP because that person clearly not our friend, but like, don't worry, I don't need to. And he's like, but shouldn't you look at the database? Like, there is no database attached to this. Like that field, the only thing it does is it sends an email and it's not going to send an email with the garbage he's putting in. So we're, we're cool. And he's mm -hmm. just like, uh, so, and I actually had to whiteboard the app to finally get him to agree. And he still had this, I don't know. It has the one equals one thing. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so knowledge is not readily available. Right, and I think I believe that's also one of the things that you said you're doing with your company. How is it that you come to the idea of starting your own 
company or your startup? So I was working for Microsoft uh, last year and the year before as a developer advocate. So when I started in security, uh, one of the ways I found the best way to learn for me was to you know, do research and learn something, but then teach it to someone else. So I was writing talks and I found out if you present at a conference, they let you in free to the conference. And I couldn't right. afford to pay to go to all the conferences I wanted to. So I would just do lots of research and try to write, you know, like the best talk I could. And so I was flying all over the world, uh, teaching and, and speaking. And then Microsoft called me and they're like, hey, we heard uh, that we need to meet you. And so then for them, I was doing the same thing, except for I got a salary instead of just like trying to manage all of that on my own. And that was cool. Um, and then I left them to start a company with a friend and our company absolutely uh, disintegrated within only a few weeks because it turns out like he wanted this, I wanted that. And um, we thought we had agreed on everything, but then, you know, when you're in the thick of it, it's like, oh, but I had meant this. Oh, I had meant that. And so we split and then I felt super like burned out and tired. So I just put on Twitter, hey, so I don't know what I'm going to do next. Anyone got any ideas? And then, and then I just like opened a Calendly link right. and just let anyone book time with me. And I just like hung out with random people from Twitter for about six weeks. And at least half of them said, will you start a training company? Because I'd really like to learn from you. And I was like, me? Uh, after enough people kept saying like you need to do this I was like maybe they're right and they're right yep <laughs> yeah you've been doing a fantastic job uh, I think teaching and as also in the words of Einstein right I mean if you can explain and teach something to someone in a very simple way that's the only way you know that you've actually learned something because you can understand something for yourself but how easily can you explain that to other people that's where the benefit of education and learning actually lies Yes. I, I also find that students ask the best questions that teach me at the next level. So I'll say, we should use a service mesh and I'm explaining why. And they're like, does it work in this instance? And I'll think, oh, I don't know. That's awesome. I want right. to know. <laughs> and then I add that to the lesson for next time. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so you got more pointers next time, right? That makes total sense. And that's really the benefit of actually teaching is also learning as a part of it. So you said that there has been, the knowledge has been one of the biggest challenges that you've seen in cybersecurity, but what do you believe from a perspective of an organization or a business? What is it that they lack? One of the biggest challenges they face when it comes to defending themselves against cyber attacks or just being secure in general for the purposes of what business they're running? I would say that it is very, very difficult to hire a cybersecurity professional and keep them. So continue to attract them to your business so that they don't go and take a better offer elsewhere. Um, so there's not enough, there are not enough um, trained and qualified security professionals to do all of the different jobs that exist right now. Um, mm -hmm. They estimate there's at least 1 million open jobs with no qualified person to do them. And this is partially like experience, knowledge training, et cetera, right? And so if I'm trying to hire a security professional as a business owner and I have to pay this exorbitant salary and then maybe they're going to quit after only a few months or I'm going to hire someone 
who, you know, they have a certification. So I think that sounds good, but I'm not sure because I don't, because I'm not an expert in this area. Like when you hire an administrative assistant, you know what you want them to do. But if you're hiring a CISO and you don't understand security, you're like, I know I need someone to do security. I know this is a problem. I have no idea what needs to be done. So you're hiring someone with, you have to put so much trust in this person. And so I think that's why a lot of people are getting certifications because they're trying to demonstrate, I know stuff. Does that make sense? And we have all these people doing hiring and they just don't know what to ask. They don't know, um, they don't know what to look for and they don't even know what job to hire for, right? Do I need a CISO? Do I need an application security professional? Am I trying to hire a full-time pen tester? Is a pen tester going to be interested to still work here after six months? Mm-hmm. Like all, all those things, they don't even know the, the strategy. And so it, it ends up, they know they need help and they don't know what help they need. And I see that as a big problem. Right. So mm-hmm. what is your key recommendation to the hiring uh, department, HR or hiring manager when they're looking out for cybersecurity talent? What I have done in the past, so when I, so I, I was a dev lead for a long time mm-hmm. and um, I was working at a governmental department and we needed to hire someone to do a secure code review. So I, I knew I needed someone, um, but at this point, I had been a developer forever and I knew basically nothing about security. And so we had a consultant who I trusted and I said, okay, so listen, I know you don't do code review, so this isn't a conflict of interest for you. So this isn't a job that you would want. And I need to hire someone. And he's like, I don't know anyone that does that. Like, that's not my, I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. I need you to help me to come up with interview questions and answers so that I can suss out who is just messing with me. Mm-hmm. And so we came up with a list of like, these are the most common tools. These are the types of act- activities that happen. And he's like, I'm not an expert, but I know this. Right. And so then in the interview, I ended up partway through like the candidate lied to me basically. And I could tell because I'd been prepped for this interview. And then I said, awesome. Thank you very much for your time. And everyone else looked at me and I'm like, great, I'll walk you out. And I was like, yeah, he lied about this. And this tool doesn't even do code review. It's not a SaaS tool and this and this. And they're just, oh, wow. How'd you know that? I'm like, ha I paid a consultant an hour to prep me. Um, So then when I later, when I left jobs and I knew more about security, I would create interview questions and answers for them. I was like, listen, you're going to interview my replacement. Here's a bunch of questions that you can ask. And then here's the expected response. So if they do this, they fail. They do that, they fail. They do this, you know, like explain one of the OWASP top 10 vulnerabilities to me. Like I'm a software developer. Tell me what the risk is you know, how urgent it is that I fix it, and then tell me how to fix it. If they don't understand, like if if you as a very smart person interviewing them who used to be a software developer, if you don't understand what they're saying, if they talk down to you, if they're arrogant, if they won't answer your questions, and at the end you don't know what to do or you think you don't need to fix it, they fail. If they can pick any of the OAS top 10, so it's their choice, and they can't explain it, like, how do they know application security if they don't know any of those? Right. And that brings um, us to a very good point. 
is about the communication within cybersecurity because if you look at, yes, we have challenges in terms of education, challenges in terms of qualified people, challenges in terms of not just hiring, but also retaining talent. And then there is obviously the challenge of communication. And because we have so many different sub areas within cybersecurity that go from anywhere from very technical to very non-technical and business oriented, cybersecurity is one field that definitely requires stakeholders from different areas that necessarily that don't necessarily know cybersecurity and the technical aspects of it. How yeah. do you believe is the best way to learn or be better at communication? Because you as an application developer, right? You understand code and now you also understand security. But when mm-hmm. you're talking to CISOs, which understand security, but then you're talking to CIOs and the CEOs and the board, how do you believe that cybersecurity professionals, independent of which field and sub area they come from, how do they get better at communication? I actually took communication classes um, and took some soft skills classes because oh, when yeah. I was younger, I was so blunt and forward that it would make people very uncomfortable. And so I learned the skill of beating around the bush, like warming someone up to the topic and then asking for what you wanted. Cause I would just go to their desk and say, I need you to delete this repo. Can you do it in the next five minutes? And they're just like, uh, what? <laughs> um, and I would just, and my personal life too, I'd be very, very direct. And so at one point I decided I wanted to be a manager. So a thing that happens to women in tech Uh, is that everyone tells them repeatedly that they should be a manager. Um, Or in my case, even I had a boss change my job without my permission to be managerial. And so that wasn't very cool. Um, And so I took all these classes to try to learn like better communication skills and figure out like, oh, I have to change the way I approach different types of people if I want to get what I want, right? Like in your personal life, you can be yourself, but at work, sometimes, you know, if you're talking to someone that's very, very introverted, I'll like soften my voice and lower the volume and mm-hmm. have slightly different body posture than if I'm speaking to someone who is very, very confident, very assertive, who speaks louder, I should match their volume. And so I took tons of classes and then I tried being a manager four different times and hated it all four times. And I was like, God, that's awful. I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> and so then I just like, get, I'm just like, forget that. Uh, and then I was like, I'm just going to go back to the thing that actually makes me happy all the time and just like dive back into tech. But that's a very valid point in the sense that that also shows that people should really try to find what sub area within cybersecurity or risk management gives them actually pleasure because there are so many opportunities. There are so many different areas that require different expertise, that require different skill set that could fit your personality instead of just trying to fit into different areas that you are actually not really comfortable with. And that's something I also tell the the young talent and the new people. There is a lot that needs to be done from all the way from very technical aspect to very people aspect and people skills. So you should really try to find out what makes you the most comfortable and where do you have the most fun? I I actually started as a pen tester because I thought, because that's what my mentor did. And then that's why everyone that, so everyone I knew in security either did risk analysis or they did firewall stuff, 
which was my level of knowledge <laughs> at that point, or they, or they were a pen tester. So I was like, okay, well, pen testers deal with apps. That's what I, I like apps. So I'll do that. But then I joined the OWASP community, became an OWASP leader. And I realized, oh my gosh, there's this other job called application security. And it's so awesome. I just get to hang out with devs and just nerd out all the time. I get to like try cool new tools. I still sometimes do security testing, but I also, because as a pen tester, I was so terrible. I just kept doing AppSec and I didn't realize I was doing it wrong. So I would find some results partway through my test. And then I would just go to the dev's desk and be like, hey, I found this. But you know what? Like we have three weeks left in this engagement. So like if you fix this, like I'll send you some instructions. I could help you. And then like when I do my final report, I won't include it because you fixed it. <laughs> right. I would just be at the dev's desk all the time. And they're just like, no, Tanya, just hack this stuff. You don't have time to talk to them. Just write a report in four weeks and send it to them. I'm like, no, I think they need to know this now. And I just, mm -hmm. yeah, so I wasn't really the best pen tester. <laughs> and I'm actually, um, I'm starting a podcast uh, about how to figure out which career you want. So I wanted to start a podcast and I wanted to have a chance to interview all the people I, I like. <laughs> so I just like having on all these people that I know or that I follow that, I, that their jobs are cool. And I'm just going to ask them about their jobs. Like, so you do like digital forensics. What is that like? What is How'd that, you get right? that job? Like, what is a day like in your, like, do you have a streak of gray hair from your job? Or are you like, I love this. This is cool. And because um, there's all these different jobs in security, I've always been curious about. And so I'm like, what if I make an excuse to just ask all those questions I've always wanted to ask? That yeah. makes total sense. I think I'm doing the same with my podcast now, just asking people right. all the different aspects of cybersecurity. And you know that my website just came out, Monica Talks Cyber is about all things cyber. And I'm very interested in everything from cybersecurity to risk management to business continuity, because just like you, it's very similar to your story. I started in as a pen tester as well as a hacker. And even though I enjoyed quite a lot, actually, I really love doing it. But I realized very soon that what inspired me the most was independent of what area I came from within security and risk management. How do I actually help businesses understand what impact is it on the business? And that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years now, because I found that was the, the one thing that gave me the most pleasure. And with my uh, website and the podcast now, I, I feel like I love to hang out with amazing people like you and then just like understand and learn more from you. I feel like starting a podcast because when I started the OWASP DevSlop project, I was like, I can just call someone that I think is really cool. And then they might come and hang out with me and then teach me a thing. I really want to know. I'm like, is this some kind of trick? Like, how did I get in this position that I could just like write? It's like, oh my gosh, that person's so awesome. I'm going to just send them a message. And then right. lots of them said yes. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. So let's just let's just switch to a bit more different topic. Um, mm -hmm. We are in the year 2020, which has been crazy enough for everyone in the entire world. Yeah. Right. But apart from the COVID-19, the pandemic and other challenges that we have seen recently, what is one of the biggest things that has surprised you in the last months and why? I am very surprised by people's reaction to COVID. I'm very surprised 
that people feel that wearing a mask to protect others and themselves is some sort of form of oppression against them. I've been very surprised that people um, seem to not immediately volunteer to protect others. Like, I'm just shocked. I'm like, of course I'll do the thing, right? And I'm super shocked that there are people that are against that. I'm also like wonderfully surprised that so many companies have been able to switch into this remote first thing. And so mm -hmm. many companies have been really, really awesome with, for instance, like parents that, you know, they can't send their kid to school. So their kid is home and they're like in a meeting and their kids like, ah! um, <laughs> and how some companies, not, not all of them, but lots of them are just accommodating that and mm -hmm. being really cool with their employees. Um, I've also been like positively, wonderfully surprised how so many people's communities are coming together and protecting mm -hmm. and supporting each other. Like my neighbors and I all immediately started asking if the other ones had enough. Do you have enough toilet paper stores out? But I, I got some, do you want some? Or like, do you have enough food? Do you have enough this? It's like mm -hmm. you're immune comp compromised. Do you want me to go to the store for you when I get my groceries and I will get yours mm -hmm. too? Like just checking in on each other all the time. And then the fact that we would all come together and become stronger and like form better community. Like I've already been the type to talk to my neighbors, but it really like very much so brought us together. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, this is awesome. Um, so lots of wonderful surprises, but also just the lack of just like really shocking. Um, I'm also very in 2020, um, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, I've been very, so I feel this is a long time coming. I feel that uh, Black people have been getting the worst possible deal for a very, very long time. And the things that people are doing to try to make change, the things that are working, the things that aren't working, the very surprising reactions from the government. Um, and also, so I, I just published an, an article. So I have like a little book club mm -hmm. and the book club is just me. Um, so I, 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 uh, I read uh, and listen to books constantly. I'm obsessed with uh, learning. And so I read many, many books per month. And so I review the ones that I think people might like. So I reviewed a bunch of books about how algorithms and data can be biased. Uh, um, systems can be written such that they're biased, but also unintentionally, we can bias things. Like we can talk about how systems are broken because what we do is secure systems. And if our systems mm -hmm. are giving us inaccurate data, that's the I in CIA. That means our integrity is broken and we need to talk about it. If you were the CISO of a company and you just got... Yes. Um, additional budget of, let's say, $50,000. What would you invest that on? I guess it depends on what you already have, but I would generally start in any business with web filtering, email filtering, safe links to make sure if someone clicks on the link, it doesn't go to the place, um, and fancy firewalls, um, assuming we don't have anything else, right? Um, and, 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 digital hygiene for the, for everyone, like explain to them, like, 
you are our first layer of defense. Like you are what you are our biggest asset and our biggest liability. So let's make you tough. Right. Um, Yeah. And also try to tell them, please come to me. If there's anything, please come to me and my team and we will help you. Because if they feel they can't come to you and they do it on their own, oh, it's going to be a disaster. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's really important that the security people are really making other people and employees and colleagues in the community, in the organization, in the business, in the society, have a feeling of trust towards you because that goes a very long way. Yes, I could not agree more, Monica. Fantastic. It was so lovely to have you on the podcast episode today, Tanya. Your thoughts are so amazing and I really love the work that you're doing. Um, I wish you all the very best for your company and the work that you're doing and lifting people, women of color. We need to do this together. We are all in this together. So it's so lovely to have you on podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for starting a cool podcast. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So that was all for today's episode of We Talk Cyber with Monica. I'm your host, Monica Verma. I'll be back with more episodes and fantastic uh, discussions, engaging topics, and yet amazing, fantastic colleagues and speakers in cybersecurity industry. I'll be back. Until then, take care. Stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to We Talk Cyber with Monica, a platform for engaging discussions and expert opinions on all things cyber. Check out more information and episodes on monicatalkcyber.com. Do not forget to subscribe to Monica Talk Cyber on YouTube and Instagram, and follow us on Montalk Cyber on Twitter. Stay tuned, and we'll be back with more episodes very soon.